0: Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Quorum, founder of AIM-7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm back with another episode with Dr. Sachin Panda, a leading expert in circadian rhythm research and a professor at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies. This is the second episode in a four part series on how to leverage the science of circadian biology to improve health and performance. And in the first episode, episode 273, Dr. Panda provided an elegant overview of what the circadian rhythm is and behaviors you can engage in to keep it synchronized. So if you miss that, you wanna go back and listen to it. In today's episode, he delivers a masterclass on how to naturally boost melatonin levels to improve sleep. He also details the potential dangers of using slow-release melatonin and how to modify your eating patterns to optimize blood glucose control. Dr. Panda has also just released a new app that you may want to check out, and it's called the On Time Health app. Here, members learn and develop healthy habits around the pillars of circadian health, such as fasting, sleep, exercise, and light. So now let's get to my conversation with Dr. Panda. So let's lean in and learn from the best.
1: The biggest impact of melatonin and why you should think twice is its effect on metabolism, particularly blood glucose control. Okay, let's talk Um, about that. Melatonin is the hormone. So it's almost like a key and it goes and unlocks a lock. And those are called the receptors. So the hormones and receptors, they work, they have to work together to really do what hormones are supposed to do. So melatonin binds to two different types of receptor and those are called melatonin receptor 1A and 1B or you can say A and B. What is interesting was there are almost now 15 years ago human geneticists were trying to figure out which genes or which mutations cause obesity and diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Surprisingly they found that a mutation or uh, change in DNA in one of the melatonin receptor can contribute to diabetes and obesity and this was really puzzling because people thought well how can melatonin be connected to type 2 diabetes people thought that maybe if you're sleep deprived if you're not sleeping enough then that can affect your blood glucose level and in fact that is true so for example if you take a healthy person who is in peak performance peak athletic performance even and sleep deprived so reduce that person's sleep from habitual eight hours to say five hours of sleep or four hours of sleep for four to five days then at the end of five day or end of a week if you measure blood glucose level of that person that person may be pre-diabetic so the fasting blood glucose and 24 hours blood glucose levels tend to rise. So people Mm -hmm. thought maybe melatonin somehow is linked to sleep and, and that's how it's connected. But when scientists dug deep into melatonin and its receptor, they found surprisingly that this receptor is found in insulin producing cells in our pancreas. Now we can begin to think, okay, so melatonin and insulin, how are they connected? So what happens is every time we eat, most of our food has some carbohydrate, and that carbohydrate that glucose in the blood will tell the insulin producing cells hey you got to wake up produce some insulin release some insulin to bloodstream and the insulin goes as i said insulin is also another hormone it needs a lock to unlock so it goes and binds to its receptor that are present in almost every cell in our body, including our muscles, and that opens the gate for glucose to get into this inside the cell. So without insulin or if there is less insulin, then blood glucose cannot get inside the cell, it just floats around and it increases our blood glucose level. Mm -hmm. So now the interesting story is now at least there are three or four different ways people think, scientists think, insulin and melatonin are related, connected. And one mechanism that's mostly accepted now, there's more support for that mechanism is melatonin receptor that's present in insulin producing cells. When it's activated, it makes the cells less sensitive to glucose. So that means it almost tells the insulin-producing cells, hey, don't worry, it's nighttime, the person is not going to eat more, it's time to go to sleep. You don't have Mm. to stay awake and look for that glucose signal, it's time to sleep. So then what happens is, if you have high melatonin level in your blood, that means your insulin-producing cell or pancreas is kind of asleep, getting into bed, and it's not paying attention to glucose and then you eat something that has glucose then your blood glucose level is likely to remain high for a very long time and if it continues then you may be close to pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes now that's okay put all the, yeah
0: yeah this is interesting so i'm just thinking out loud here melatonin starts to rise when light goes down right if we keep you know we start dimming the house so if you're eating late at night yeah also waking up in the morning you said earlier that melatonin can still be elevated it's gonna it's gonna take a little while for it to go down yeah so then we need to pay attention to what we're eating before and after sleep
1: yeah so for a regular person who is not taking exogenous melatonin it's really hard to know when our melatonin begins to rise, but the rule of thumb is two hours before a habitual bedtime, melatonin begins to rise. So that means we should not be eating two and a half hours before going to bed, because you know, when we eat, at least a blood glucose level will begin to rise and will stay high for 30 to 90 minutes, and that's when insulin begins to act. So for two and a half to three hours before bedtime, it's safe not to eat. You might argue, say, well, I can eat a piece of cheese or something else, protein. The bottom line is for most people, we actually (laughs) eat dinner or some snack or ice cream or even alcohol. All of that can affect our blood glucose levels. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's better not to eat anything within two to three hours before bedtime. So now the question is, As you clearly connected this for the morning time, the same thing applies to the morning. The night hormone melatonin is slowly going down. And second thing is the day hormone cortisol also begins to rise and almost reaches its peak level within 30 to 45 minutes after we wake up. Mm. And that means our stress hormone level is pretty high. And melatonin level is also decently high. And both of these hormones can disrupt our blood glucose level if we eat. So that's why, again, there is this idea that one should avoid food for one to two hours after waking up. So this is for regular people who are not on exogenous melatonin. So now let's think of people who are taking exogenous melatonin, say, before their bedtime. So having all of this in, in context, we can safely say that if you're eating dinner, and you want to take exogenous melatonin, it's better to eat dinner two to three hours before bedtime. And if you want to pop that melatonin pill, it should be within 30 minutes of your bedtime because you don't want to pop that pill with your dinner or immediately after dinner because that will just, reduce your insulin production and insulin action. Wow, so yeah, so this
0: this starts to create a really good argument for restricting your food which we could have another discussion about that, but it starts creating a clear picture that we weren't designed to eat 24 hours a day.
1: Yeah, we are not designed to eat 24 (laughs) hours a day. Fast food though, right? Open to 12 o'clock. No, the point is, you know, we over the last 50 years or so we always compared our body to an engine. Mm. And we always bring this connection that, hey, just like an engine needs a fuel, a body needs fuel. But you can can put fuel on your car in the middle of the night and drive. There's nothing wrong with that. It will go at the same speed as the middle of the day.
0: It's an enclosed ecosystem that's very static. This isn't a biological system though, right? That we still have it unlocked. No, but the
1: difference between a car and a human body is... The car cannot self-repair. In every three months to six months, you are taking the car to the repair shop, whereas your body actually self repairs every night. Mm. And just like you cannot drive the car when it's in the repair shop, you cannot drive our body and fuel it and eat, for example, when it's supposed to repair. So we have to keep in mind that a body may be like a car, but it self repairs, whereas the car cannot self-repair. And this self-repair and rejuvenation happens when we sleep and when you are fasting, when you don't have food in our system.
0: Let's go down this pathway. I mean, you open so the let's door. One,
1: one more point about melatonin. Okay, cool. okay. And now let's think about slow-release melatonin or time-release melatonin. Okay. So when people are taking that time release or slow release melatonin we don't know because these experiments have not been done how long melatonin stays in the system after we wake up mm. because although the light can reduce our body's own melatonin it does that by sorting down melatonin production from the pineal whereas light has no effect almost no effect on circulating level of exogenous melatonin that's not produced from the pineal so that means those who are taking slow-release melatonin and even high dose, it's very likely that even three to four hours after waking up, your body may have enough melatonin circulating and inhibiting or putting the break on pancreatic cells that produce insulin. So this is something to keep in mind for those who are taking slow-release melatonin. There is a chance very good reasonable chance that the morning light is not going to reduce their melatonin and they can stay pretty high. Yeah, so one thing that you had asked is how to boost out body's own melatonin production. And scientists, again, have done very careful studies and what is surprising is daytime exposure to bright light. So that means if you go take a walk outside, or even if you open the window in a sunny day, sit next to the window, you're getting four to 5,000 lots of light for an hour or so. Somehow that increases nightly production of melatonin. So one thing that people can do is go out and maybe take a watch during daytime and that will boost nightly melatonin production.
0: I love it. This has been a masterclass on melatonin. So anybody that's, that's listened to this has really gotten a treat out of this. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the follow or subscribe button on whichever listening platform you are joining us from so that you never miss another episode. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next show.